Okay, guys, we are in Titus chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 4 through 10. And again, we're talking about godly lifestyles. Last week, we talked about Paul's instruction to Titus concerning older women and older men. Today, we're going to focus on instructions uh, for uh, younger men, younger women, and slaves or bond servants. Okay. Now, it's it, to me, it's interesting uh, when you go through Paul's letters. He he always talks about how slaves are supposed to act, and you might be wondering why does he do that? Well, he's trying to be relevant to the people who are coming to his church. Because remember, I told you that in the Roman Empire, most people in the Roman Empire were slaves. Now, slavery was a little bit different. A lot, in a lot of ways, it is what it is, as we've had slavery. But in their culture, slaves could own slaves. Isn't that amazing? Think about that. Okay, and uh, so you know, it, it it was. So he's trying to tell them how to function, and we're going to talk about why, because it all reflects back on what you believe. Do you understand? All reflects back on what you believe. So, uh, so we're going to talk about godly lifestyles. Now, as we talk about these things, well, let's get into it first and then we'll take a look. First of all, look with me at verses four through eight and we're going to see for younger believers. He says that, you, that they admonish the young women. Let's talk about the older women that they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Likewise, exhort the young men to be sober-minded. In all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works, in doctrine, showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that one, that one who is an opponent may be ashamed having nothing evil to say of you. All right, so let's take a look here. First, we're going to talk about young women, and this is a continuation off of the instructions for older women. So older women are to teach the younger women to exhibit spiritual maturity. Older women are to teach the younger women to exhibit spiritual maturity. So let me just stop for a moment because I really need to make a point. This is an area right here that he's instructing that for the most part, a lot of churches, including ours, have fallen down on the job about Okay? We've kind of, kind of forgot that the scripture says that spiritual women in the church, mature spiritual women are the ones who should be teaching the younger believers, younger female believers in the church to help them grow. And a lot of that has to do, well, let me ask you, why, why, does everybody agree with what I'm saying? That that's, that's a problem. Everybody agree with that? Okay, all right. Why? Why did we do that? Why did we ignore this? I don't know that younger women are 
is willing to be taught. All right, so Bruce thinks he wonders, he's, he's wondering maybe women, younger women aren't willing to be taught. Okay. All right, so that, that's what Bruce says. Anybody else? Why, why do you think we have not done well in this area? Think about it for a moment. Why do you think? Some of you have been in church a long time. I've never thought of it before, George. Okay. What were you going to say, Jane? Oh, well, we have, you know, you know, I've been here for a while. We've had always a mixture. Okay. We've always had a mixture. Yes. Okay, all right, that's good, Angela. So she's saying two things here. Number one, older women tend to hang out with who? Older women, okay? So there's not necessarily, and that goes along with what you were saying, maybe a little bit, Bruce, of maybe younger women not wanting to hang out with older women or develop relationships there. But then also your second part was not knowing what to teach or how to teach. Okay, that's good. Yeah, anybody else? Okay, yes and no, uh, big guy, because, uh, Tim, I remembered your name now, okay? Yes and no, because the scripture does talk about male leadership, okay, and male teaching, but that doesn't restrict women from teaching other women, okay? But you're close, though, that there is a point there, though, okay? Anybody else with a thought? Okay, so you're saying that our culture, we've developed a cultural mindset of not getting involved in other people's stuff. And so I don't really, you know, like I really like this young lady over here if you're, a, if you're an older lady, but I don't really want to get too close there because, you know, it can be messy. Yeah, okay. And, and to be honest, yeah, you're right, our culture is moving that way, but Brad, I would also say that's indicative of our culture here in this community. Did you, what do you mean? Well, like for instance, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I'm I'm not I'm an outsider. Okay, I'm not a PA guy. I'm not from Clearfield County or even one of the surrounding counties. Okay, I, I'm from the South. All right, but I've also pastored in Canada. So I I grew up in the South, and I and I pastored in Canada. And I'll be honest with you, they're, they're different cultures. So like, for instance, in Canada, in our town of 6,000 people, are you ready for this? We had four donut shops. Four coffee and donut shops. Do you want to know why? People were hanging out. The thing to do after church, like if we, we had Sunday evening church in our church, every Sunday evening there would be a group of 10 or 15 of us that would go to the coffee house, not because we love donuts, 
Actually, the donuts were pretty bad. Okay? It's because they wanted to interact with each other. Do you understand what I'm saying? So they were more social in their interaction. However, okay, so we come here, you know, there, for instance, the biggest activity that we did with our men was going to a breakfast spot on a Saturday morning and having breakfast with about 15 to 20 guys talking about anything and everything. Why? Because they enjoyed getting together. When I came here, those activities that work there wouldn't work here. Why? Because people here only gravitate towards their clan. You don't do, you don't get involved with anybody else except who your family group is. Did you understand what I'm saying? So what you're saying about the not wanting to connect, Brad was saying that. What Brad was saying about the culture, yeah, that's really definitely true of our culture, but also for our greater culture. We're concerned about getting tied up in people's stuff. Okay. Well, let me, let me add to this. The reason why like, our church has been, there could be cultural reasons, there could be other reasons. I, I'm going to be honest with you, is because, and, and because our background in this church is independent Baptist, okay? And, and being in an independent Baptist church, the main teacher was who? Yeah, the pastor. And so, basically, he was the guy that was supposed to be in charge of the spiritual instruction of people. And so everybody else basically became a spectator. Did you understand what I'm saying? Somebody to just come and sit in the pew and soak it in, but not really get involved. In fact, like for instance, like we have resonate Bible studies. They're done right now, but we... I would encourage you to be a part of it. I'll make that statement here in a moment. But I can remember independent Baptist churches. Some have them now, but a lot of them still don't. Why? Fear. Fear of what? Having somebody else lead a group because maybe they'll get a gathering together and challenge who? The preacher's authority and what he's teaching. Do you understand what I'm saying? Fear. And so what ends up happening is people are supposed to just listen to the preacher. And, and so really what's happened is, is we've raised generations now where we don't interact in each other's life and older women don't interact with younger women and teach them how to be mature in Christ. So you, do you understand what I'm saying? So we've ignored this. And Paul's saying to Titus, Titus, the younger, the younger women need to be taught by the older women, which, let, let's stop for a moment. Can you see why that's supposed to happen? Can you see why that's supposed to happen? Because, first of all, if you just had dudes teaching women, what kind of problems would you have? Okay, well, we're willing to admit that, yes, okay, okay. Best people to deal with women and the stuff they go through are who? Best people to deal with men and the stuff they go through are what? Men, okay. What's the danger of having males involved trying to mature females in a close, intimate relationship? What's the danger there? I see your hand in the back, Lord. Yeah, attachment issues, which can result in what later? 
Yeah, moral failure. Hey, you know what? This week, I'll, I'll be honest with you, it's, it's, in, it's in the news. There's a major megachurch pastor who's been on the scene for 40 years. And he had to resign. He was close to retirement. He only had six months left of retirement. He had to resign. Now there's big investigation because all of a sudden people are coming out of the woodwork talking about his inappropriate behavior with them one-on-one. -on -one. Did you understand what I'm saying? And, and, and that's the danger. So who really, whose responsibility is it to deal with women in a church? Women. Did, did you understand what I'm saying? Older women working with younger women to exhibit spiritual maturity. Now he's going to tell them exactly what they're to help them with. So younger women are to be encouraged to love their husbands and their children. They need to be encouraged to do that. That sounds like a given, right? But why? Why, why single this out? It's almost like it's automatically assumed that as a young wife, you should love your husband and love your kids. But why does he got to, why does he have to make that emphasis again? What do you think? You ever met a wife who wants to kill her husband and her children? Every day, Brad says. <laughs> because there are times, a lot of times, when husbands are unlovable, right? And the children can be, and can drive, especially if you have more than one, right? What? And children are insensitive? Yes, Brad, that is true, okay. All right, guys, we will talk with Brad later, okay? He could tell us, teach us what we need to know, okay? All right. All right, Brad, Bruce says I'm not going to go there, okay? All right. But again, because here's the thing. Older women have what? Gone through it. I heard experience. Somebody said experience. Older women have gone through it, and they remember the babies and the crying and the guy coming home and expecting life to be like it was before the baby. Did you know what I'm saying? And, and they're like, oh, nobody cares, nobody understands. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, yeah. So younger women are to be encouraged to love their husbands and their children. Let's go on. Younger women are to be self-controlled and sex sexually pure in their actions. Okay? So there's there's a, o, older women are to basically instruct younger women and how they're to live their lives in a sexualized culture. Okay? And 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 you know the implication is it seems like this is intentional on younger women's part here. Actually what I have found as as I go throughout my ministry and as I get older is sometimes Younger women don't have a clue. Did you understand what I'm saying? And sometimes older women need to say, well, you know, we got to be careful here. You got to be, you know, so there needs to be some, somebody coming alongside of them. Now you say you're picking on younger women. Well, in a moment here, we're going to pick on younger men. Okay. All right. So let's go on. Younger women are to be good managers of their home. Now again, what are you saying? They should stay at home, George? No, listen to me. 
You're talking about a culture here, which was a patriarchal culture, where men did all the work. Women basically were the ones who were in charge of what? Home. And so he's saying older women need to teach younger women how to manage the what? The home. Okay? How to manage the home. So, you know, my favorite story of this is when Lori and I first got married, she made tuna noodle casserole. And she made it, and she thought, because oh, I told her I love tuna noodle casserole. So she made it, and, and, I, and I didn't like it. And the reason why I didn't like it is, is because of the onions. They had pieces of onion in there. And I said, and so I made a mistake. This is stupid stuff you do when you're a newlywed. You should make it like my mom. I was dumb, wasn't I? <laughs> yes, I did. I knew an older man. Well, you know what? Older men don't know any better either, do they? Okay? So, so my, so the next time my wife is talking to my mother, she says to my mother, Hey, can you tell me how you make? Well, why don't you say what you told, uh, said to my mother, Lori? No, you did put the onions in because they were, I wasn't used to having onions, seeing onions in, and I have aversion to vegetables, folks, okay? Why did I bring that up? Because older women, need to help guide younger women, because that would be an exasperating thing to be told. Why don't you make it like my mother? You know. Ah, okay, whatever. We're not going there, Daddy. We're not going there, Mr. Louder, okay? All right. Uh, here's the other one. Younger women are to be kind and good towards others, so they're to be instructed in being kind and good towards others. Here's the one that really raises a lot of hair on people's backs, but I need to explain to you what we're talking about here. In verse 2, verse 5, excuse me, in chapter 2, verse 5, he talks about the issue of submission. Younger women are to be submissive to their husbands. Ooh, what in the world? Well, you know what? I heard that preacher when I was growing up about, you know, talking about how women needed to come into the altar and repent about not being submissive to their husbands. What in the world are they talking about? Well, let me explain to you what they're not talking about. Okay? Submission is not the same thing as obedience. You want to write that down? Submission is not the same thing as obedience. Now, I gave you a cross-reference there in your notes for Ephesians chapter 5, okay? Now, you'll notice that in verse 21, he says we're to submit to each other, okay? That includes men submitting to each other. He goes on and talks in the next section there about women being submissive to their husbands, okay? But then a little bit further down, I think it's in chapter 6, he gives instructions to children, and he says to children, to children, Obey your parents. Different word. 
Now, but a lot of times when we talk about the submission issue, we, we take it to be, and young, immature husbands take it to mean, you're supposed to do what I say. No, no, that's not necessarily true, because submission doesn't mean obedience. Submission is actually a different concept. All right, so here's what submission is. First of all, submission is not saying that a person is a lesser individual than the one that they're submitting to. So the wife is not less than to the husband. They're actually equal, according to Scripture. But rather, the wife is submitting to the leadership of the husband. Do you understand what I'm saying? She's equal before God, but she's placing herself under the authority of the husband. That's what it's talking about here. Just as Jesus, who is equal, always the illustration is Jesus, right? Is Jesus equal to God the Father? Yeah, three and one. Is the Spirit equal to Jesus and the Father? Yes. However, if you look, they have a divine subordination there. Jesus submits to the guidance of who? The Father. The Holy Spirit submits to the guidance of who? Jesus and the Father. Do you understand what I'm saying? They're equal, but they're submitting to their head. That's what the concept of the Bible is talking about here. Okay? So it's talking about placing yourself under. So what happens is, is older women, who are supposed to be spiritually mature, are to come alongside and help younger women understand this. Okay? Help younger women understand this. All right? So let's go on. Now, why are they to do this? He tells us why. Their submission is important so that the testimony of God is not blasphemed. Their submission to their husbands is important so that the testimony of God is not blasphemed. All right, now what in the world... Why does he bring that up? Well, in their day, which is true even in our day, when you look at churches today, what percentage would you say of our churches are made up of women? What's that? Okay, 70. Lori says 70. How many would say it's a majority, right? It's not half and half. It's always women outnumbering men. This has been typically true of churches throughout history, and even in their day. So you would typically find, in fact, if you read through Acts, remember when Acts, when Paul would go preach, there would always be women there, do you understand, hearing and responding. So a lot of them, their husbands, are not... Saved. They're not believers. So with the fact that they're in a home where there's not believers, you're going to find that there is an antagonism towards their what? Faith. Everybody understand? An antagonism towards their faith. Especially something new. Think about it. It's brand new. Christianity hasn't been around. It's almost like this weird cult thing that's going on And are they teaching you to do something contrary to what is societally normal? And and so 
what happens is, is that Paul's saying, you still need to be submissive to your what? Husband. Now, that's not talking about blind obedience again, but that's placing yourself under his authority. Why? The reason why is so that the testimony of God's word, God's truth, is not what? Blasphemed. Okay? You're being watched. First Peter, remember when we went through First Peter, he says the same thing in chapter 3, talking about wives, even if their husbands are not saved, doing that in case they would hopefully get saved. Do you understand what I'm saying? As a testimony to them. All right, so now we're going to, any questions so far? All right, let's go on to chap, verse, chapter 2, verses 6 through 8. We're going to talk about younger men. All right, so guys, you're not off the hook, all right? Timothy was to teach in order that younger men exhibit the character of spiritual maturity. So Timothy was to teach in order that younger men exhibit the character of spiritual maturity. So here's what he's going to tell them to do. In verse 6, he's going to tell them to be sober, sober-minded. Now, we usually, in 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 our thinking, because of our culture and, and how we use the word now, we think of sobriety with regards to uh, getting over an addiction, all right? whether it's alcohol or drugs. But sober actually means so much more. It means being in control of your mind. Okay, So younger men are to be self-controlled in the mind, actions, and emotions. Younger men are to be controlled, self-controlled in their mind, in their actions, and their what? Emotions. Do you understand what I'm saying? Remember, we talked about this last week with regards to older men. Older men are not to act like younger men anymore. Did you understand what I'm saying? They're supposed to be controlled because they're older, more mature. Young, younger men are not mature, so they're, they're a little bit more... They can be a little bit more emotional. Have you noticed what, what I'm talking about? As you get older, you find that you are older people here, including me, that you're mellowing. You know, I just was in a conversation with somebody yesterday that said, if that had happened 20 years ago, I would have been ballistic about it, but now I'm just kind of letting it go. That's called what? Age. Okay? Younger men are to be a little bit more in control. Okay? In control of their emotions. Now, he's going to talk about Titus now showing an example to younger men, okay? So Titus was called to live in such a way as an example in all things for, for, young, for young men. So Titus was called to live in such a way as an example in all things for young men. So again, there's that aspect of discipleship where the older people are supposed to, what, give examples with their lives to who? The younger ones, and it's especially true in the lives of young men. Titus was to show integrity, seriousness, and incorruptibility with regards to doctrine. Now, do you think that first one is really relevant in our culture today? Integrity? Are we a culture that focuses on integrity? No, it's okay to lie in our culture, right? 
How many of you, especially if you're older here, can remember when a man's word was a man's word? And you went by that. Now, you don't go by anybody's word, right? You go by legal documents 50 times over because even the legal document that you sign doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to happen, right? There's always a loophole with everything. It's always a judge that can make a different decision. But you know what? Titus was to show, teach the young men, what? Integrity. Seriousness about life. Okay? Seriousness. Why? Because when you're older, you're a little bit more serious about life. You know? You're a little bit more serious about life. You know, I, I, you know, as I've been pastoring now over 20 years, I've always wondered about when you get with older people, older people are always talking about how terrible things are going. Have you ever noticed that? How terrible things are? Have you noticed that they don't have TVs tuned to the news in the nursing home? There's a reason why, okay? And I thought to myself, why are they so focused on that? Because it's always been bad. Why are they so focused? You know, because it's always been bad. Well, as you get older, you get more serious. Why? Because when you're younger, do you even pay attention to the news? Do you even care that anything was happening? You know, how do I know? They don't even vote. Who votes? Older people. Why? Because they're more serious about what? Life. Did you understand what I'm saying? So... Titus was to show integrity, seriousness, and then incorruptibility about doctrine. Now, what does that mean? What do you think that means, incorruptibility about doctrine? Okay, unchanging, Tim, that's really good. What do you think it means, Brad? Okay, so he knows needs to know the doctrine and stay true to it so that he's not... Swayed, okay? Yes, compromise. And do you think we live in a culture today where people know their doctrine? Some do, but would you say that's true of a lot of people? No. There's a lot. In fact, I, I've, I've been reading some things here recently that have convinced me about some things. I won't get into that right now. But, but we do have a deficit. One of the biggest problems in the church in North America today is biblical ignorance. Biblical ignorance. And I have talked to leaders in our church where I have said to them, I remember when I became a believer in 1985 and I went to a little bitty church in West Columbia, South Carolina, and people there knew their Bible. Some of you can remember growing up and people in your church knew their Bible. You can't say that anymore. <laughs> It's almost like something happened, something changed. People don't know their Bibles anymore. They know something about the Bible, but usually a lot of what they know about the Bible isn't in the Bible. You know? Like God helps those who help themselves. Did you know that was in the Bible? It's not. Okay? It's in the book of George. Okay? Or the book of Sam. No, that's not, not Samuel. Okay? So... Yeah, so, all right, so now the other thing is speech. He was to speak in such a way that it would not be condemned. Speech. Boy, we've changed with that in our culture as well, isn't it? 
as far as the culture of the church, now it doesn't really matter what you say. Just say it. But the problem is, is you need to be living in such a way that even your speech is not condemned. Okay? So we're encouraged to encourage young people that way. So this is so that believers have nothing to, to accuse and are ashamed by your actions. So again, the reason why we're to do this is because, here's the thing, are you ready for this? How you live your life reflects on what you believe. If you want to write that down. How you live your life reflects on what you believe. Somehow we've forgotten that. How you live your life reflects on what you believe. And so listen, I'm amazed at this. This is a problem in the North American church. The North American church is dying. Excuse me, the white North American church is dying. Okay? Not the immigrant church, not minority churches. They're growing. But the white North American church is dying. Why? 18 to 30-somethings are leaving. Why? Because they don't see reality. And speech is one area where you don't see reality because your actions prove what you believe. They reflect on what you believe. And and so younger people are like, well, you really want me to buy into this, but you don't live that way. You don't speak that way. You're acting like the guy who's at school who sleeps in on Sunday morning. So now we get to verses 9 and 10. Let me go through these real quick, okay? These are about bond servants. Exhort bond servants to be obedient to their own masters, to be well-pleasing in all things, not answering back, not pilfering, not showing good fidelity that they may adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior, in all things. Okay, so he's going to encourage slaves, and I guess a modern-day slave is an employee, right? Okay? All right, so he's going to encourage slaves as far as how they're to respond to their masters. So Titus called Titus was called to encourage bond servants to be obedient to their masters or their bosses, okay? So they're to be obedient. Now, the manner of obedience, here, they were to serve their masters in their attitudes and their honesty. They were to serve their masters in their attitudes and their honesty. It's saying here not to pilfer. There's a story that comes out at the beginning of the 20th century when the revivals hit. Do you remember, everybody know who the Titanic was? Everybody knows the Titanic? Okay. The shipyard that built the Titanic, when the revivals hit, the company had to tell the workers to quit bringing back all the tools that they had stolen because there was no room to keep them all because the the workers got right with God and so they felt convicted about pilfering from their bosses so they brought back all these tools that they had stolen through the years of working for them and there wasn't enough place. This is actually documented. They actually had to basically tell them to quit bringing it back. You're forgiven. And so why? Because workers have a tendency to what? Pilfer. Oh, i got to mail this letter. I'll just use the office stamp. Did you understand what I'm saying? That's stealing, okay? No, it isn't, George. 
I deserve that. No, 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 no. It's stealing, folks. Okay? So they're to serve their masters in their attitudes and their honesty. And then finally, here's the reason why. Again, here's the reason why. Everything has a reason. They are to do this so that their lives express the reality of salvation through Jesus Christ. Why? Because your actions really communicate what you believe. Okay? All right. Next week, we're going to talk about the influence of grace in our lives. Okay? So we're going to look at uh, the rest of chapter 2 up to chapter 3, and we're going to talk about the influence of grace.